Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Mitch Jarvie from Addy Invest. And Addy has been, they've been on the podcast a couple times, Steve from Addy and Mike from Addy have both been on the podcast. We are big believers in them. Everybody should know that we have liked them so much and what they're doing with real estate that Nick and I decided to invest into the company. So as you're listening to this, please be aware of that. And Mitch just sits down and shares his story. He was in the corporate world and kind of had a revelation and decided he was just going to jump out of the corporate world and go traveling with the family and kids and then was looking for something that had the proper mission to kind of combine his life's effort with found Addy through his friends, Steve and Mike jumped in and he's just a really great guy. He, listening to the, his story was just fascinating for myself and then going on a bit of a deeper dive on what Addy's about and the social impact and, and what Addy is doing to try to democratize real estate for Canadians. We love it. We're fans. We want everybody to know about it. So addyinvest.com is the URL for these guys. Mitch is on here with us today. And if you are listening to this and you are not on our weekly email newsletter list, what are you doing? You can get on that by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. There are thousands and thousands of Canadians all across the country on this weekly email. We try to summarize what we've put out through the week in there. We share YouTube videos, different podcasts, but we also have little updates that we share in there. So everything that is going on in this world of real estate through Rockstar and on the Your Life, Your Term show on the podcast is being summarized in that weekly email, including sometimes data we don't share anywhere else. So if we see some housing data, some housing statistics, some inflation numbers, some interest rate changes, we will share that in a Quickly, quick weekly update in that newsletter. So you can join our weekly email newsletter at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Mitch Jarvie. Mitch was just explaining that he was born in Mississauga, but after three or four years, at the, at the ripe old age of three or four, how old was it? Four? I think four. Four at four, he said, screw this place. Yeah, I'm, I'm off to British Columbia. And it is a little bit more scenic out there. I'm not going to kid you. What does Mississauga have? We don't even have Centennial Park. That's Etobicoke. What does Mississauga have that's scenic? There's some rivers. Doesn't have me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Doesn't have you. So uh, welcome Mitch Jarvie to the Your Life, Your Term show. And before we get into the whole Addy message, because I want to talk about Addy and what's going on there and all that stuff, I just want to talk about your story a little bit here because you've recently, recently quit a corporate job. Uh, recently, yeah, I'd say in the last three years. Okay, so but you know, I know you're working with Addy now, but what goes through someone's mind to get to the point? Because you just said you're 41 years old. 40 years old. 40 years old. I'm aging you quick. Eh? Yeah, you are. 40, 40 that was years, quick. 40 years old. How many kids? Two. Two kids. You decide to quit the corporate job. What it? What, what do you play in your mind? Like, what's happening? What's that thought process like? Like, how did you get to that point? Um. There's a lot of things that happened to get to that point. Uh, I think at the very moment when, when I did it, there's a, a sense of anxiety, excitement, as well as uh, 
you know, what are you going to do next? Um, but I think if I reflect back on how I got to that point, uh, there was a book that I read called The Family Boardroom. And uh, in it, it talks about... Why do I know The Family Boardroom? Has he been on our podcast? I'm I think not sure. He has. Yeah, go keep going. Okay, sorry. Yeah, uh, but in the book, it talks about 18 summers and how you only get 18 summers with your children. And at that point, um, my children were three and one. So this would have been, I guess, just after spring 2019. Um, I just completed a 10-year, 10-year ship or 10 years with uh, with the in a corporate world in a in a sales role in the in the travel industry. And it was sort of at that transition where, after reading the book and kind of going through the process of the family boardroom, realizing that uh, I wasn't getting paid enough money to spend time away from the family, if that makes any sense. Um, and at that re- point, I realized I was I was pretty unemployable for the amount of income that I was generating. And it wasn't shit income; it was it was good. Uh, it did the job, um, but the value to uh, be away from the family, traveling all over the place. Uh, it just sort of got a toll on you. Um, and then I realized I had already wasted three summers with my oldest son. Um, so I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. Bought an RV. Traveled 66 days uh, that summer with the kids across the Pacific Northwest. Um, came back. Thought, okay, now we'll figure out what we're going to do. Um, wanted to stay in the travel industry. COVID had other plans for that. So I said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's do this again. Let's re-up one more year, uh, hang, hanging out, being part of the, the process of seeing them grow through those early developmental years. And then summer of 2020, uh, stayed in British Columbia and did another 55 days, just lake jumping, going all over the place with the freedom of the, with the travel trailer and, and the family behind us. It was amazing. Were you scared? I think everyone would be just scared of money. Were you yeah. scared of like running out of cash? No, not necessarily. We had a pretty good nest egg. I think, you know, you have to get to that point where you either, you know, and Trudeau was pretty um, generous at the time too. Uh, <laughs> he was he was giving out Trudeau bucks, which, uh, you know, kept the gas in, in, in the truck. Um, but my wife was also working from home or in that case working on the road. So we outfitted the truck with Wi-Fi and and power and everything that we needed so that we had an opportunity to stay in touch and she could work and yeah it was great great experience and I think when you're not necessarily going out for dinner all the time or you're not going out with the boys you're just spending time with the family you really find that you know the 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 needs of money in that sort of environment are quite low right we you can stay on vineyards and golf courses for free you can go to a cidery um, and uh, say, hey, can I stay the night on your apple, on your apple orchard? Uh, and in those cases, you know, there's there's no cost to the experience. It's more just whatever you can pack into the fridge. And and what a great experience! Yeah, and I think that's sort of the the moment um, in that situation where you kind of realize everything else doesn't mean mean anything, right? It's just about that moment in time because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow or today. Wow. Great answer. I feel like what you're saying when 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 we travel and I'm hanging out with my family and Nick's with his family and, and every summer we go over to Croatia, we have a small place there. I'm always amazed at how little money we're spending, but I'm having the best time ever. Like we're not spending that much money. You know, bit of groceries, we have our place, 
it's not the most extravagant place by any means, but it's like right up. It's, it's a beautiful look. We're right on the Adriatic Sea. It is beautiful. But yeah, we're not like, we're not like churning through bucks. You come back to Toronto, go out for dinner, hit the movies, order some stuff on Amazon. You're like, what the hell is happening? I never have stuff on Amazon. Actually, I did order a French press from the UK Amazon site because I wanted a French press. I did order <laughs> one. I'm like, can it? will it actually arrive here? How does this work? Do I get Amazon Prime over here? <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, the you, Amazon man doesn't show up to campgrounds, we found out. so Yeah, okay. you found, yeah. yeah, yeah. You learn. You're like, oh, this is how we used to live. Mm. <laughs> but uh, you're right. You just don't need that much money. And I think we all, or I forgot, like in the corporate world, it's, it's such a classic, like I was in the rat race and like, I knew I was in the rat race, but to pull yourself out of that rat race, like there's just so many fears of people telling you not to do it. You know, I, I was thinking how am I financially going to be able to do this? What happens for me next? There's no path. There's very few Mitch Jarvis walking around sharing their path, I found. Then when you start to look and you run into different books and you meet a Mitch who says, hey, here's what I did, I find it really enlightening and it is super helpful. But when you're in the corporate world just focused on that like next promotion, I don't know how your corporate job was, but you know, most of the, your life is just focused on, am I going to get that next promotion? Will my title change? Exactly. And that's just like such a... I, 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 for me, it was an unfulfilling way to live. I didn't feel like my life stood for any meaning. You know, I just felt like I was just running in circles and I was getting, uh, I was getting sick every month trying to hit a monthly quota. Um, pressure I put on myself, no one, you know, it was just kind of self-inflicted, but being able to step away from that and just seeing the world and then seeing the opportunities that you have and then being able to work at something like I feel you're doing now mm -hmm. that has meaning that maybe you believe in, then everything just feels that much better. You meet different people, life opens up, it's brighter. I'm sure some people are working in the corporate world listening to this thinking, you son of a bitch, I don't, I don't feel like that at all. <laughs> but I did. They're probably early in their career. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. So uh, get out. Yeah. <laughs> get out while you can. It was, was that the book, The Family Board Meeting? That's Jim it right Shields? there. Yeah. Yeah. So he has spoken at one of our events. Okay. Shame on me for not remembering Jim. Nick and, Nick and him became buddies. They met at something in the U.S. He's come up and spoken at one of our events. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, great guy. And when he breaks it down into the 18 summers, when you realize that's the only you know, summers you're going to have, yeah. I'll never forget the feeling. And that's not a guarantee either, right? So that's, I think, the one thing that I learned from that. And... Uh, yeah, I've been I've been spreading the message every chance I get. It's it's an amazing, it's an easy read, it's easy to facilitate and to implement into your into your family. When uh, when 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 someone I had the I remember when I was back at Oracle and I looked at some of the people that are older than me and I remember learning that if they took more than two weeks vacation they were going to lose some of their big accounts because you know they weren't yeah. committed. Yeah. So they would lose some of their big accounts and I thought, oh my gosh, if I ever get to the point, I was in my twenties. I'm in my 40s and someone, and I've worked like 20 years, but I can't take two weeks vacation to <clears throat> maybe go on a family vacation or worse, like I want to go to my son's hockey game and they're like, you can't go. Like, are you not committed to this? Like, you might as well stab me right in the leg. Like, this is the worst. F I, I just can't. And so in my late 20s, for some reason, I already was extrapolating forward and thinking this is not the life that I want to live. And I was trying to map my escape plan. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't know if you went down this path, but I read a lot of personal development books and I think I needed to, uh, Nick doesn't need this. Nick has always had a high level of confidence, but I felt like the personal development world and those books, and I'm talking like the Tony Robbins stuff, personal power Two is like an old program. Yep. I'm older than, than you. That was a program that me and, and kind of my, 
few friends listen to you like on repeat. Um, but I felt that just gave you the confidence to believe in yourself. It was almost like the coach that you need. You're not on your, you're on your own team and you needed that coach in your ear. So that world was really valuable and then kind of transitioned out of personal development into like, actually, how do I build a business? How do I build a business? How do I buy properties? How do I sustain myself? How do I find something like right. that? I, I mean, I, I find meaningful for me. Did you ever go down the personal development book? Oh path? yeah. Yeah. You know, I, th I think, uh, in, in sales specifically, you, you need to always better yourself, uh, because the competition is extremely high. Uh, you may be the best cold caller in the world, but there's somebody who is, you know, Hungry. coming, yeah, Hungry. coming straight into Come. the, into the workforce. Who's going to be that much better than you. And am I, am I willing to do 10 hours a day of, of, uh, hitting the, hitting the pavement, maybe at the early stages. Um, so you, you, there's always an opportunity, you know, good to great, uh, all the other sort of books that kind of lead you through a path of professional and business improvement, but not necessarily personal improvement. And it wasn't until I got to that book that I was like, you know, yeah, good I for get you. it. I get it now. Yeah. The 18 summers and the 18 concept, summers. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is it really breaks it down. And I, and I think, you know, I, thanks to my children for, you know, making me open up my eyes to that because I think, you know, I went through the stages. I got married, bought a house, got settled, got a dog, started having kids, but my, my, uh, career and my, you know, day to day life didn't change to compensate for the, the change at home. Right. Um, and I think I was just blessed to see the other side prior to, you know, the children getting to become 10, 12, 15 years old. So, and, and the other side, you mean having that trip, the, was it 66 days you said? Yep. That was the other side? No, the other side of, of, um, what was I saying there? That's a good question. Like the, the corporate world, like there's another life that you could be living? Uh, uh no, no, like I didn't change any, uh, the other side. Yeah. Like the other side of not needing to get on an airplane to go pitch yeah, got, oh, got a it. multinational got corporate travel account yeah, yeah, yeah. for an hour mm -hmm. and spending 26 hours doing it yeah. um, or having to go to training somewhere remote for a week. Uh, you know, these sort of things just keep adding up and adding up and I'd come home and my daughter would be talking and I wouldn't even recognize her. Right. So that, that was the shift. It's like, okay, well, what's more important in this situation? Is it like you said, what's the next title that I can get? You know, am I, do I even have a chance to get to that position? Um, or is it what's, what's at home, right? Like it's, so how do you, so going through all this then, then you, how do you get involved with Addy? And I want to talk about yeah. Addy. I mean, um, but how do you, is it just because they're buddies? Is it the purpose of Addy that interested you? The flexibility? Well, yeah. What, what brought you back to doing some kind of work? Because I, I feel like having a, an RV on an apple orchard somewhere or a winery park somewhere, that's probably a nice place to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> just stay there. Well, they only let you stay for one night. <laughs> eventually like, hey, yeah. what are you doing? why are you eating all our apples and drinking all our wine get that get out of here or pay yeah exactly um it's it's uh, i think it wasn't something that just happened instantly it wasn't like oh okay like this is the path that i want to go down uh i think it was a accumulation of those two summers of having just no guardrails up it was just let's just absorb um there was a couple of weeks through those adventures where we had no reservations. We would just drive uh, and, and find a spot and be like, hey, do you guys have availability for the night? 
yeah, we have availability for three nights. Perfect. We'll stay here for three nights. And just, you know, going through those experiences that um, kind of led me down this path of, of, you know, nomad living and, uh, you know, hashtag van life. The, 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 the Zoomers or the Gen Z uh, seems to be a big hit or younger millennials right now. Um, and really having discussions with these individuals that would park beside us at a campground and why they were doing it. And every, every time we had a conversation and introduced ourselves and, you know, where are you guys from? It was very important um, just to highlight, like the first year we were really uh, in the U.S. for the majority of the time, everywhere from Idaho and Coeur d'Alene down to uh, Crater Lake and all the way around the Pacific Northwest. So there were, the experiences with, with um, the American population was a lot different than the second year with mostly just B.C. residents. In what way? You had, uh, well, it was pre-COVID, right, oh. in, in 2019, uh, the summer. Um, but you had a lot more of the, the nomad lifestyle, which I don't think you necessarily get in northern BC. It's more of a, uh, you know, fishing trips camping, and camping yeah. and, and young families. And uh, a lot of people from Alberta would, would come into uh, northern BC. Uh, so the experiences was, was kind of interesting just to kind of see, but the conversations that I had with, with, you know, people that were living in a van who just happened to stay at the same campsite as us for a couple of days was, you know, we love, we love this lifestyle, but we've come to this lifestyle because our, our, our barrier to entry to buy a home is just, it's out of reach. There's nothing else we can do. We've been forced into this situation and we'd rather enjoy the experience, um, than to park the van or a trailer or the RV on the side of a busy street in a, in a major city where we'll get harassed and that sort of thing. Um, so that, <clears throat> that got me thinking, I was like, you know, this is, this is bigger problem than, than I think everyone sort of realizes. And I think there's a movie that just came out uh, recently about a year ago or something called Nomad or. Oh yeah, you're right. There is. Yeah. So if yeah. you haven't seen that, watch that is pretty much some of the journeys that uh, I witnessed on that first year on the road. Um, so it was, it was trying to figure out at that point, you know, just, just you, you put these ideas and you, and you throw these, these experiences sort of in the Rolodex of your brain. Um, and then when I came back to Vancouver after our second trip, it would have been September. My son was just getting enrolled in kindergarten. Um, so I said, you know what? I think now's the time to sort of figure some shit out. <laughs> Lack of a better word, you know, like let's, the wife's getting on my case. You need to get back to work. This, uh, this camping lifestyle and you being at home, you've built, you know, you build bunk beds. You're always looking for something to do. Uh, get out of here. Yeah. I need get, you out. Get out. Uh, I said, okay, well, let me look at it. And <laughs> I like the compromise. Yeah. Okay. I, I hear you. I will, I will start looking for something. Hopefully somewhere, someone out there has something for me to do. I don't have to build bunk beds for the rest of my life. And, and, and Sophia, if you're listening, I, I mean that, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay you there, but yeah, it was a time for me to get out of the house. Um, so we you know, started looking like, where can my experience in, in corporate sales, you know, similar to, to you probably it's like, we you know what, what can pivot, what can translate over to something else. And, um, there, there wasn't really anything, you know, the travel industry was still decimated at that point. It's, it's still recovering now. Um, I seeing a lot of job postings and things like that for, for, for the travel industry. Um, I have some good friends that work for Air Canada and they're getting redeployed and 
um, you know, I think things are sort of going in that direction, but we're already near the end of 2021. So this yeah, time, ju- just on that note, I traveled to Europe at the end of June and, uh, it, it, the Frankfurt airport was spooky. Everything was closed other than a little bit of food options. You sat, we had a long layover cause there wasn't many connection flights over to Croatia. And so we were sitting at the gate for hours and there was just like a creepy uh, recording over the system saying there is a global pandemic, wear your mask. There was no one around us because it was just so empty and uh, it was spooky to see. But then coming back um, in July, already busier. And then I actually went back again with my father for for a wedding and it was packed. Mm -hmm. And then Munich airport on the way back, absolutely ramped. So it feels like in Europe anyway, they're traveling. I don't know if that's kind of happening in North America and how busy it is here, um, but it seems like it's it's picking up again. Mm-hmm. So, which is good. And I think a lot of that has to do with the the leisure traveler, right? Everyone wants to get out and I wanted go out. to Mexico. I or they want to just go <laughs> anywhere, out. right? Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the corporate space. You know, if if organizations are still willing to send somebody across Canada or into another country, are like they going to be less willing? Right. Right. I, I don't know. I. I, I from my experience, um, on you, both sides, I think the yeah. person going is going to be less willing yeah. as well. And what's, what happens, you know, who's liable for who, who if someone gets sick or whatever <sighs> the case may be. So I, from my experience and in, in my time in the industry, any sort of drastic global event that has impacted the travel industry, it usually takes about five years to get to a full recovery. If you look at nine 11 or some wow. of the other things, <clears throat> um, but that was one all, all the events that have happened and we're sort of going down a rabbit hole here, but all of those events that occurred were strictly targeted at the travel industry. This is completely different. You know, it's not just the travel industry. It's everything from manufacturing to people, to chip shortages, to container shortages from China, like gyms, it's just, restaurants, yeah. so nail salons, could hair be 10 salons. Years. Who knows? Right. Yeah. It, it'll come back, but I digress on that mm-hmm. side. Um, so, so I started looking, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I start my own thing? Is there is there an opportunity here to, um, you know, continue down the coaching? I did a lot of coaching and, and, and that sort of thing. And then um, I remembered that back in 2018, uh, uh, one of my buddies from, from school called me up and said, hey, we're putting a, a, a single detached house on, on Trout Lake in Vancouver online to see if uh, random Canadians would would invest alongside of it, alongside each other. And I was like, okay, well, how much do you want? He said, you can put anything you want in. So I put, I think I threw five grand at it and said, awesome, I own a piece of real estate, single detached house. I, I didn't know what the the thesis was for the investment or what the exit strategy you was. You trusted the guy. You just trust, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, okay. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm all in, what do you want, what do you want to do? Uh, so I remembered that, and so I started going through, and then, and then I realized that, um, there was a large transition of, of change in that business. They had done that one property. It was a proof of concept. It worked. Um, but there was a lot of things that I think the business that, that I learned after I came in back in, or after I came into Addy was, you know, they didn't want to be the, the, the property owner. There was people who invested everything from a dollar to a hundred thousand. It was very, um, scattered, but the, the, the theory and the hypothesis around the actual idea of a business worked right it was democratizing real estate um for for every canadian um so they went through a process of you know getting in a great board of directors um an investment committee and and everyone else and started looking at 
building out a strategy to acquire uh, limited partnership uh, equity slices on on amazing institutional grade deals across Canada. And I was like, you know what, this is, I think I could pivot very well into this. So I took Michael Stevenson out for coffee and I said, you know, tell me about, you know, how are you acquiring your, your properties? You know, how, what's your member count at? And I started drilling him like as you would uh, as a, as a you know, sales leader. What are your numbers? Right. Um, he was probably like, get lost. Yeah. What are you doing to me? <laughs> and he's like, I, he's like, go ask Steve Jagger. I don't, I don't, that's, that's not my part of the business, but he's like, okay, well, why don't you come take a look at what we're doing? Uh, because you were friends with Mike and Steve. Correct, yeah. Okay, so you just randomly went and chatted with Mike first. Yeah. Okay. We just went for coffee and just catch up. A um, bit of a mentor for me at the time as well. Uh, but then I started drilling him on his numbers. And then he's like, okay, well, <laughs> come back to the office. Uh, and we sat, I stood there with Steve and, and, and I said, okay, look, well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll spend 30 days. I'll give you a 90-day plan of what I think you should do to... Um, achieve certain targets that you're looking at in terms of uh, the amount of properties that you want and, and that sort of thing. So I did that. And then when I was done the 30 days, um, Steve says, why don't you just do the 90 day plan? I was like, oh, you're too lazy to go hire someone. So <laughs> I'll do it. So I did the 90 day plan. Uh, we got everything ramped up. So full uh, documentation of processes, everything sort of set up. Anyone could this be. This is when? Uh, this would have been, I want to say March, April of okay. this year. Got it. Yeah. Um, March, April, I think was when we were finally done the entire, the entire plan and, and had everything executed. Uh, and then I said, okay, there you can plug in, you can plug in a monkey You can get an idiot and just plug plug it in. Everything's set up. And he goes, why don't you be the idiot? <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, cool. So I, you know, it was just a, a really amazing transition of saying, look guys, here's, uh, from my experience and my expertise, I think this is what you should do. I'm not saying it's right. I've given you a plan. You can get a plan from somebody else, but I think this is the building blocks to success in terms of acquisitions, in terms of looking at acquisitions as more of a, especially from an LP perspective as a limited partner, you're looking at it as more of a, a sales tactic and more of a process that way than a typical real estate acquisitions person would do where they're you know really diving into the acquiring of the properties, right? So could you just, for someone who has not um, heard of Addy yet, can you just kind of give the high level overview, maybe kind of the members of Addy and sure. then, you know, the properties you're dealing with Addy, just to kind of frame that picture, because I have some questions for you yeah. around it. Um, so at uh, Addy, our mission is to enable every human to be a homeowner. Uh, we we co- go by three core values, uh, win-win or no deal, empathy and curiosity. Everything we do revolves around those three. And I can dive into what each one means, but... Uh, what we what we're basically doing is democratizing commercial real estate and allowing all any Canadian to invest as little as a dollar into uh, individual projects that have gone through a rigorous uh, due diligence process um, uh, through the Addy platform, and that's that's really what it is in a nutshell. So any so if you guys I I can become a member of Addy, you guys put the property onto the platform. If I, I can load up in my wallet, am I using the right language? Correct, yeah, yeah. In my wallet on Addy, 100 bucks. And if I like the property that I see I can that you guys have loaded up there, there's probably a deadline to invest, I'd imagine. And I can say, yeah, I'll put $50 of my $100 that I have in my wallet 
and I'm now part owner of that property. Correct. And then I, the, the rewards I reap for doing that are what? You become part of the equity stack of commercial real estate. So um, those types of opportunities typically uh, are only reserved for high net worth individuals or institutional money. Um, and it's, and it's, a, it's a dying industry, I feel, and it needs a makeover. Uh, it's allowing, uh, for lack of a better word, the rich to get richer, which you know is, is not necessarily a problem, but I just think that in order for um, in order for the new generation to have access just like you and I did to to real estate, it, the, there needs to be a, a fundamental change and a makeover of how, uh, business and transactions are completed in the, in the industry. And that's, that's our, that's our strong feeling. And there are people that agree and people who don't agree with us. But it's interesting. You're saying it's an, an industry that's dying because I remember when we got in to real estate in a full-time way and we started investigating commercial, it kind of hit us that it's an old boys club. Like there's this MLS system in Canada where you can see residential stuff and it's all there. Sometimes it's not the best, but it's, it's there. If mm -hmm. someone's selling a residential property, you can usually yeah. get the details. Everyone knows about it. Everybody knows about it. Commercial. I think we spent like two years assuming we just hadn't had found the website that had all the commercial. <laughs> and it was someone in Kitchener that pulled us aside and said, look, all these properties here, these are all like pocket listings. Mm -hmm. We don't even call the other brokerages. Yep. There's, we know the guy down the street, he's going to buy this property. So when this family is going to sell this building, he's going to acquire it. We just ring him up, do the deal. And it's done. I'm like, so nobody ever sees these deals. I'm like, no, this is just like all off market. All off, and I remember thinking this is the biggest old boys club that mm -hmm. I've ever seen in my life. And you know, these people kind of were born into that system and I don't think they had any ill intent, but the system created this and it has made an environment, especially for commercial. I, I would argue on the residential side as well, it's so difficult to buy, mm -hmm. but definitely on the commercial side, it is next to impossible for the average individual to participate in that. So that's because uh, they don't even know what happens. They don't even, you don't even know what happens. And, and if you do know what happens, the barrier to entry is extremely high. You need to be the financing's difficult, right? And not just that, but you need to be an accredited investor, um, or you need to have your money with some sort of institutional uh, that has access to to participate in those deals. So, if I put in like fifty dollars on an, on a property, do I get my percentage equivalent of any cash flow? I mean, revenues yep. that come from that property is that property is that paid out quarterly, annually to me? To me, how does that work? Yeah. So, uh, for anyone who's ever participated in an LP. Um, in, uh, in commercial real estate, it's it's very similar. Each property is completely different. Uh, we've done everything from. So this is not a REIT. Not a I'm REIT. investing my fifty bucks into this one specific yeah. property. Yeah, and that's where the name Addy comes from. So Addy, it's not short for Adderall, but it's uh, the kids say it's it's you know what's what's your Addy? It's it's short for address. So we need to be our whole thing is being specific, and being able to obtain a specific address as part of your portfolio creation. Um, best way to, I think, look at it is, you know, we're old enough to, to, to remember the, the iTunes revolution when, you know, I bought my Britney Spears CD for 14 bucks. Uh, I only liked maybe three of the songs, right? I remember when that CD came out. <laughs> like I remember when that CD came out. Oh my God. Uh, or, or, or Backstreet Boys or, you know, whatever it was, um, $14, 
four of the songs were good. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. five, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And then I had Millie, I had the Millie Vanilli cassette tape. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know if that you, you do you know Millie? You know, yeah, of okay. course, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Okay. My first, I think. Blame my first, it on the rain was played in my car. I can't tell you how many times. <laughs> anyway, I think my first t- cassette that I purchased was uh, Crisscross, totally crossed oh, out. Oh my god! Yeah, that. yeah, that or uh, um, the Irish rappers. What were they called? Uh, the ones that sang "Jump Jump." <laughs> oh, Everlast was that Everlast? Uh, it was Everlast, but he was yeah. part of another. Yeah, yeah, part yeah, of the yeah, group. yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget yeah. what it was. Mine. I had one CD that I played over and over. It was, I think it was, was it called "Pump Up the Jam"? Yeah. Was that a CD? Or I'm something? not sure. I forget. But that song, <laughs> "Pump Up the Jam," I won't. Is that Marky say, Mark? No, no it was CNC some, Music some, Factory or something like that. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Yeah. As someone listening to this is like, yeah. you guys just move on. You guys <laughs> yeah, are exactly. Yourselves at this point. This is not music. My trivia. kids laugh at me. They're like, Dad, how do you know so little about music? I'm like, I don't know, but somehow I can pull it off. I yep. know nothing. <laughs> I thought Millie Vanilli was great. Yeah. I didn't know they were lip syncing and it wasn't them singing. But uh, so, so yeah, so yeah. where was it going? So, uh, so, so Britney yeah, Spears. Yeah. So, so, yeah, what with, the music so iTunes came and said, you know what? Spend the same $14. Buy 14 songs that you actually love and make your own CD, right? And and there was resistance, there was friction, but I think people kind of figured out, okay, well, that makes sense because I want Britney, I want, you know, Everlast, I want Millie Vanilli. I want to create my own playlist of, of 14 completely different genres or different types of songs. And that's, you know, if you think about it, when you create a playlist, what did you do with it? You shared it with friends. You flexed on it. My playlist is better than yours, right? Um, and I think, you know, for lack of a better analogy, that's that's what Addy's doing. We're allowing you to create your own commercial playlist of commercial real estate. So you could have a multifamily. Yeah, I love the analogy. Yeah, right? it's great. You could have light industrial in Hamilton. You could have uh, a commercial. Light industrial, you're right. Yeah, yeah. who would have thought? I'm going to buy some light industrial in Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, and then I could have, uh, you know, a purpose-built development in Esquimalt in Victoria. Uh, so... Each property has its own specific exit, has its own specific returns, or estimated, I should say, you know. Uh, but it's up to the member who looks at the offering and says, that's something that I'm willing to put my $50 into. Uh, and after a while, they start to realize that they're generating their own um, portfolio long-term. And then you look at the end of the year and you're like, Oh wow! Like I've really done a good job in creating this amazing portfolio, where that I would have spent that money doing, uh, being at the bar or yeah. on a new Dave and Buster throwing the basketball at the net, trying to beat yeah. your friends for a million, uh, yeah, exactly, for a million tickets that get you a pencil at the checkout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, th- and that's that's for and that's what we're doing. So we have some that are a two-year exit, you know, very quick. It's just a, a quick development. Uh, we have we have one in Calgary, a, um, a business park that's on a ten year exit. Some pay distributions. Um, Do some have no exit? Is it just long term buy and hold? Or no, no, they, they, all, they, all, they all, all have, have an exit. exit. Yeah, okay. they all have an exit. And the right. exit, I guess, is different for each one. Sometimes is the, the property is being changed to a yep. new thing. Yeah. So some of them are are exit on a refi. Some are okay. some are an exit on sale. Okay. Um, so there is always a goal. I know one of yours, I feel like a year ago, maybe it was before you started, was a Starbucks, I feel like, or it was a commercial property that had a Starbucks as a tenant. Yep. That that one, with the exit on that one is... Uh, two years. Two year, you're going to refi, pull everything out. Correct. Or, or you're going to sell it outright. I think it's on a refi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we just did our. That's that was our first property as Addy uh, after we had done. Oh, was the, it? Okay, maybe that's the that one stuck yeah. in my head. Okay, it's funny because everyone uh, just knows that specific property. I don't know why, which yeah, is great. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. one just for whatever reason. Maybe that's just when I understood the model. I think now is probably a good time for me to remind everyone that. Nick and I are investors in Addy. So maybe we have a, if, if you think I have a bias here, then you should know maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, just be aware of that as we're having this discussion. Mm -hmm. um, so that yeah, one specifically that, is, is very, very cool because uh, it's, it's in a small, not a small town. It's in, a, in one of the suburbs of Vancouver. Uh, it's in, um, in Abbotsford. And uh, you know, it is, it's a purpose-built commercial drive through with Starbucks Canada as the tenant. And it, uh, I think it had, I don't know the numbers. I should know the numbers off by heart. Um, if Steve was here, he would smack me, but I think it's 86 local residents have invested in that property and oh, another so cool. 600 Canadians I, have invested in that. The 86 local are using that Starbucks like crazy. Exactly, Let's face right? it. Yeah, yeah. And, and these, we're getting these amazing messages of, of, uh, parents, you know, saying, I just took my son through the drive through I bought him a baby Chino. I explained to him that we're paying for the coffee. That money then goes to pay for the rent or for the lease. And then that money comes back to us quarterly as a distribution towards, you know, um, our investment. Uh, so it's this whole learning process, which I think is very cool. That's also happening as, as sort of a, um, an outcome of allowing for, uh, every Canadian to get involved. And that's just one example. There's, there's tons. We have, we have a subway uh, as a commercial tenant in, in downtown Vancouver and a building called the Lex, um, which I'm sure gets specific traffic because of ownership. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just at amazing. The, uh, at the event that you guys held yesterday that I attended, I met someone who you guys may be doing some business in the future, so we don't have to talk about it right now, but it's a cool thing out in Montreal that he was uh, outlining to me, and I just mm -hmm. thought, wow, that seems like a, a cool partnership or a cool potential property for Addy to get involved in. So you can see you guys are going to get in to a, a number of different things, and it's nice from the real estate investing side because you're right. You can make your playlist however you want it. It hasn't really been possible in real estate. Um, and, and I think the nice thing that you guys do I don't know if you're still doing this. Do you cap how many, how much somebody can put into a property? Yeah, so it's minimum a dollar. We have a self-imposed cap of fifteen hundred, and that just gets back to our mission. Right? Yeah, because I was going to say that's going to probably be a bit of a pain in the ass for you guys, but it's just so true to your mission mm -hmm. because that way someone can't come in and say, "Hey, here's a million dollars." Like I like this property so much. Here's a million dollars. Yeah, you're you're basically forcing it to be democratized so that exactly. other people have the option. Exactly. Because managing more people and then the distributions, I don't know the software behind the scenes, um, but th that's just sounds like a pain in the ass to me. But, uh, but it's beautiful that you can pull it off and multiple people are owning the property. So going back to the Zoomers that you met in Northwest US, talking about them, mm -hmm. you're now, I, get, I, I bet now if you ran into those same people, right. You have this beautiful explanation of like, hey, listen, you can get involved in real estate. There are some of these things that you can exactly. do. Look what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think the ownership that people get from being able, sorry, the feeling people get from owning a piece of real estate, there is something real there. There is something about property ownership that is important. And I'm not really sure why, but I, I see it in, um, I think some of my cousins over in Croatia, you know, they don't really have, there's no 
real easy stock exchange for them to join. Like they're not right. buying Apple shares. They're not, even the, the land and title there is a mess. Like the D, they go back hundreds and hundreds of years. And some of these villages that are outside the capital, there's no good plan of like, those are the lines of the property that's owned by your family. It's more like, well, we moved in there like 150 years ago as a family. And I like, yeah, this is ours, but then to sell it, and you know who has it? You can't refine. There's no banking. Yep. Fund. The banks don't even trust each other. When Nick and I bought our condo over there, one bank I asked for a bank draft. They're like bank draft. We're not getting. You got to take the cash over there. <laughs> I, and in local currency, it's called kuna, not even euros. So I literally had a. It was like a, a longos bag or like a grocery store plastic bag, and I carried out like a huge bag of cash. Then I, then I paid for the condo with, and the guy counted it out in front of me as we're having an espresso. Then he went into his bank. So. When I explain to them about owning real estate here and how more of us can here, it's something that it doesn't even, it's not even in their thought process, yeah. but you can tell they would like to, they want to, and uh, it's there's some meaning in it. It is. It's being, it's being part of a community that has such a, a high entry point, right? Like it's, if you look at the Gen Z, less than 3% of them own any part of real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order for us to be sustainable in this, in, in the real estate market, we need to provide access for them or else it's just going to, it's going to crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so the, the, the part of me that kind of maybe bothers me a little bit on the whole real estate thing is that I think I've fallen into the trap sometimes a little bit saying, Oh, you know, like the kind of boomers, look what they've done, that demographic, mm-hmm. just because there were so many of them, it's not really an individual boomers fault. No, not at all. It's the system. I feel first of all, there was a lot of them. There was just a lot of them that kind of came ripping through the economy here in North America. And then the system that we have running just created this. So when, if anyone hears me talking about boomers, I'm not pointing at one individual boomer. I just mean that generation in the system. His name is Doug. Yeah. That's the guy. (laughs) Get him. Get him. Poor Doug. Um, And, uh, I don't know what the next few years brings. Like, I don't know if it's more ad, like more addy type things Mm -hmm. because this feels needed. It is. It is. And I, I, I have a, I have a theory that it's as, as generations become, you know, as, as we go through this journey and and millennials become older and Gen Z or zoomers become older, their interest in what they invest in is going to be drastically different than what we've seen in the last 20 years. Uh, It won't necessarily just be a financial return that they're interested in. They want to see societal change. They want to see building of communities. Um, They would rather invest in something that has a smaller financial return if it meant that they were able to provide uh, investment money towards uh, single family homes, or sorry, homes for single single moms or single dads. You think so? eh? I think that's coming from Zoomers that you're talking to? I, I believe so, and I think developers and, and other people in the industry are going to see that uh, cash flow uh, towards their equity is going to quickly become harder to get uh, because of these questions. You know, what's the environmental impact of this development? Uh, is this a, a, a triple bottom line? Um, are you a B Corp? These are the questions that will be asked before someone. I don't invests. even know what a B Corp is. <laughs> what's a B Corp? Uh, a B Corp just stands around uh, being able to have societal uh, uh, societal, environmental, and um, financial God, responsibility. Oh gosh, we're so out of touch. Yeah. See? Old guy, totally out of touch. Um, so I think, you know, as they get towards 
asking that new generation for, for money, if, you know, when they become, say, they're an accredited investor or they get to that point, um, these are the questions. And you'll start to see changes in the way things are being built to um, sustain the request of the investor. These are some big things you're saying. You, I think. You, you think so. I, I, I kind of think so as well. Listen, yesterday I just interviewed Dylan LeClaire. He's 20 years old. Went mm-hmm. to business school in Vermont, dropped out, thought it was pretty useless. Worked with his family's business for a year. Now he's the head of research and analytics or something like that for Bitcoin Magazine. He's 20. Wow. And I feel like the millennial generation kind of went through school thinking like this is still kind of like probably doubting it. But I guess we're still trotting along with this idea that we're going to go to school and kind of get a good job. Right. And they've come out and realized, holy crap, the job that I'm getting, especially in Vancouver, a place like Toronto, I'm not going to buy anything that I want to be buying right. anytime soon. But I feel like the Zoomer, it's, it's Zoomer generation. Gen Z, Gen Zoomers. Z, Zoomer yeah. generation. I feel like that generation, the discussions I'm having with them, and maybe because my son's 19 and just talking to him and mm-hmm. his friends, you're right. It's totally different. Like they're walking into university going, yeah, we're going to get this thing, but like we are not depending on this for our financial futures at all. Yeah. We're checking a box, almost like saying, yeah, we're doing it for you know, your generation, we're kind of checking a box here, but they're walking in already thinking about NFTs and Mm -hmm. flipping playing cards and flipping shoes and sneakers. Like they always, they feel, I feel like they have a very entrepreneurial vibe to them. So if you mix in some of this community aspect or kind of greater societal good aspect Mm -hmm. to that, I feel like really positive about the future. So I feel like that generation is really going to have this massive impact. Yeah, It just feels like they're having completely different conversations. So yeah, uh, I think you've hit nailed two things there. You know, the first one is the the ROI of university for the majority of the degrees you get is is not the same as it was, you know, ten years ago. You I mean, think. my psychology degree doesn't wasn't, <laughs> wasn't worth the hours. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it was at that moment. But now, if you were to go and do that, the the financial um, you know responsibility to obtain that piece of paper uh, does not provide an ROI. Agreed. I came out in the era where MBAs were still like. Oh, you need to get your MBA. Like if you want to get to a senior title in a company, mm-hmm. did you go get your MBA? You know, at evenings or weekends or if you were lucky enough to go full time, yep. like it really, really mattered. And somewhere between the 90s and today, you know, it doesn't matter at all. It's just how articulate are you? How resourceful are you? Can you research? Can you solve problems? Can you communicate both written in a written format and a verbal format? Can you meet deadlines? You know, these are the things. And I think universities still teach us some of that, right? You have an essay. Maybe you disagree with the topic, but you still have the deadline to hit. You have to do some research. You have to increase your vocabulary with the written word. Yep. You have to present it orally. Perhaps you have to work in teams and do team projects yep. with some idiot who's not going to do anything. You're going to have to carry all the way, all that kind of stuff. I shouldn't say that. Life sure. skills. Life skills. Yeah. So that you're definitely getting, some, and social skills from interacting with other yep. people. So there's there is definitely an extraction of value there, but you're right. Walking out with that piece of paper saying, this is now my future. I remember in the nineties feeling so lied to. Like I felt when I came out of university and realized that my bachelor of science in psychology, I went in thinking I was going to become an engineer. It pumped me out as a bachelor of science in psychology. That's how my journey was. And I feel, I felt totally ripped off and it was no one's fault, but my, my own, I take full responsibility. But I, when I in that graduating year, when I looked around, this is the late nineties and saw all the jobs were for like Java and Oracle and Y2K. Mm -hmm. It was like Y2K computer jobs that were paying like a million dollars an hour. 
I remember thinking, I have spent all these years, I have zero marketable skills. Mm-hmm. And I had to rush. I paid another $13,600 for on Bay Street, where we were last night, yeah. for a school to give me in nine months some like crash course. It was a postgraduate IT program mm-hmm. to get some of these IT skills. But I remember thinking, holy smokes, I went through high school. I did all the right things. Um, went through university. I thought I did all the right things. And then I graduated, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Between my parking or my go pass and some clothes that I had to buy, I had, and after tax, I remember thinking, I'm like, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of like, this is the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, am I poor? Like, I don't have a dollar to do anything extra. Mm-hmm. So that was the eye opener for me. And it, it really awoke me to studying real estate and saying, wait, what is, like, how do people even get ahead? Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I'm off. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There are still, you know, I, I would prefer if my doctor had a piece of paper. Yeah, and, and your accountant, your lawyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there, yeah, there are all these professions that absolutely need it. I just mean some of these, you just don't need it. Like mm-hmm. to do uh, someone that's important to Addy for you guys to hire right now. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I mean, you're just probably looking for a good person that has some skills. And university might be an indicator that they do have some right. of those skills. Right. But you could probably meet someone who doesn't have that, and uh, they could be equally as good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I apologize for taking us on that tangent there. No, no, Just, not at uh, all. I, I think it's a good conversation to have for any of your, your young listeners. You know, don't drop out of school because uh, because we said so. No, no, <laughs> no. But I do still think, and this is what I tell my old, own son, because I'm like, the, some of the skills that you're picking up there, you have to meet that yeah, deadline. Exactly. You don't like that professor. You think this is bullshit. Yes, this is life. Yep. Finish it off. I don't want to clap and say, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Don't do what you're doing. and It's not fair. No, no, no. Finish it off. Get through it. But keep your eyes open. And if you can find, if you can find something that's going to make you curious and happy and interest, you're interested in a topic, chase it. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, do this university thing and explore and have some social skills, play some intramural sports. So anyway. But um, so for, I'm, I'm curious for Addy. Um, what are the, just in case someone's listening, what are the property types Addy's trying to um, acquire? Is it uh, like, do you guys have it defined or is it case by, does someone just reach out to you guys and say, hey, I have a property? Because I think if I'm understanding correctly, your ideal acquisition at this point is somebody has a property, you're going to take a, you know, an equity stake in the property. They're going to be left owning the property. There's some other person managing and operating the property. You guys don't want to come in there as operators of the real estate. Correct. 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 Is there a dollar figure or a type of property in case someone's listening yeah, to this? Yeah, for sure. Because you present a cash out opportunity yep. that might be difficult because some of these properties, if it's a light industrial, for example, it's sometimes hard to refinance a light industrial property. Correct. So you guys are solving a problem on both sides. Yeah. You're offering liquidity to some people who own real estate that's often not very liquid. Yeah. Um, so is there a price point or a model or what is it? Or just reach out to Addy and share the properties that you have and maybe we can put it on our platform? Potentially. You know, let's... Let me just give you a kind of a, a, an idea of scope at the moment. So we launched a property uh, last Friday, um, which was the Esquimalt property. We did a half a million dollar raise, and we raised that in under three hours, right? So the, the consumption rate of our membership is extremely high. And you've got to remember the maximum that they can invest is $1,500, but the average is just over 400 uh, The week before that, we did a $250,000 raise, and that was gone in 56 minutes. So... We're slowly increasing our uh, our capital raises, and, and keep in mind this, this is not a GoFundMe. This is not a you know we're not. It doesn't sit there and just wait for funding. 
everything that we put on typically is gone within a day. Um, and as our membership continues to grow and as we get access to more amazing deals for the members and the investors, we're finding that by the end of this year, we'll be able to do million, $2 million uh, dollar capital raises uh, very quickly. So saying that, uh, ideal situation is we're looking for at the moment, anywhere between that one to $2 million, uh, that we can acquire LP units in, in, you know, institutional grade, amazing product across Canada. Um, we're staying now away from the smaller, smaller opportunities in the sense that we create more problems with, you know, a half a million or $250,000 raise, uh, through just our whole mission is accessibility. And if only 10% of our members have access, then we need to make sure that we have a higher capital raise for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, because you guys run into a problem of not everybody getting access. Correct. So you're kind of in this world where you need to have enough properties on the platform, but then you also need to have enough members to fund those properties. So it's an interesting dynamic exactly. you guys are battling. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of uh, asset class, anything really. Um, we have everything from an RV resort and campground in, in northern Ontario to, like I said, light industrial to... Uh, commercial space, business parks, uh, residential, purpose-built rental, condo developments. Um, there really isn't anything at the moment that uh, we haven't looked at. We've looked at everything. I'd love to have my ideal situation would to have, you know, if anyone's listening and they're, they're looking to build out a winery and they need some capital um, and we can give our, our members free wine, that'd be amazing. Um, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, for like, so yeah, count me in for the winery. Yeah. <laughs> the winery's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, I think you'll sell up from that one pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, we have something called an artist series, which currently has three properties on it. So anything that gives back to artists or has some sort of artistic uh, nature to it. So this could be uh, local mural support on the side of the building. Like shit, you guys are such nice people. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that's great. Uh, so you know, we have a, an idea that. We could have different series within within the investment itself. So if you know if, if you as an investor as a member really want to support local artists, um, we have a whole metaverse coming out as part of our platform where you have mini props of the buildings, or the properties that you invest in. There's opportunities to put skins on them uh, with new murals that are painted. Uh, you could buy that skin and then we could give it back to the artist who did it. There's just so many different kind of opportunities yeah, yeah, yeah. that we're, we're going see. down. I yeah. can see you guys have a lot of opportunities. Yeah. This is, uh, this is going to be interesting for you guys because I think, yeah, you are going to have to focus on what you think is right for you yeah. because the world is wide open to you. Cause then when you're talking about metaverse and skins for properties, that is a whole other game. It yeah. could be huge for you guys, but at the same time you need to keep growing what you have. Exactly. Interesting battle. Cause you guys are, how long, how old is Addy? Addy itself is, well, if you look at our first property, which was the yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, how long are we since we, that? We, we just celebrated um, the one-year anniversary on August 15th yeah. of that launch. You need yep. another four years before you put skins on the property. You stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like a huge opportunity, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That opportunity is going, going to mm-hmm. explode. I'm surprised you're using the word metaverse right now. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you know that word? Uh it's our core demographic, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. A lot of our membership, these are the things that they're asking for. These are the things that they want. Um, so we need to, uh, we need to make sure that we're participating in, in what everyone is looking to achieve through the Addy platform, right? We're not here to 
to cater to um, accredited investors or mm-hmm. anyone that already has access. It's it's about collectability and it's about um, pleasing the 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 new investor and making sure that they understand what commercial real estate investment is. And to them, these are the terms and the words that they use. I think mm-hmm. um, I'm, it is for sure. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting uh, experience for you guys. And I think you're smart to go with slightly bigger properties, not just for filling them too quick with members who are buying them. I just think slightly larger properties are going to have better systems in place for management so that you guys don't have to get involved. Because if it's a smaller rental and it's maybe something you're buying from a mom and pop kind of rental property, if they don't have the right property management in place, you guys are going to get sucked into that. So if you have a slightly larger property that just has the systems built in properly, and I'm sure you're doing the due diligence with your investment board and everything there that just seems like the better place to play yeah it is and and it's and it's typically the the area of play that uh you know canadians don't have access to you know sort of highlight what you said at the beginning of the show these these deals are off market Mm -hmm. right so exposing those opportunities and providing access to the um to the canadian population i think i wonder where this goes like if you guys can get traction with members um I mean, the sky is the limit for this because it's it's so it feels to me so current. Because when I think of a REIT, that still feels to me so like I'm going into the old financial system and like what what are the fees that I'm paying on this REIT? I just love the fact of direct ownership. Mm-hmm. I think it's why I'm also a Bitcoin fan because I just like owning. Going back to when we were talking about property, right. I just like the feeling of owning a scarcer thing like real estate mm-hmm. myself directly. And with a REIT, you know, I'm putting my money in, it's got a bunch of properties and fees. I feel like it's just almost like this weird fund that I don't really know. But the story you shared of someone going through the drive through and explaining to their son, look at the education there for the adult, mm-hmm. because the adult's probably learning a whole bunch of stuff as well about expenses and how these properties work. Let's face it, because not everybody understands how real estate works. You're Definitely. not taught that in school. Yeah. And then them having to articulate that to their son, they're learning more then the son or daughter is learning how this whole world works. Mm-hmm. So I just feel what you're doing has uh, has the ability to have a much larger societal impact than maybe even we think. And I don't mean to get all kind of hyper, you know, you know, I feel like overstating what Addie's capable of, but I do feel like you're bringing new conversations to people that maybe weren't having those conversations. Have, and it's, uh, it's an, important. An amazing story to tell you, just kind of, wrap up that mm-hmm. thought last Friday uh, had a meeting with uh, two gentlemen in Vancouver who are, are you know large developers they do do an amazing product um, and on the way to the meeting uh, to start the meeting we we're meeting at a coffee shop he said you know I just found out about Addy about two or three weeks ago but on the on the ride over um, <clears throat> I finished a conversation and then the cab driver asked me if I was in real estate and to which he said, yes, I am. He's like, then the cab driver just started going off on, have you heard about Addy? I mean, I'm, I'm three properties in, I'm getting, I'm getting cash in my wallet. Um, I, I, I just, I've owned Starbucks. I own this and I own that. And just went off for five minutes about how amazing he felt to have the ability to own property in Canada, which I think without knowing who that gentleman is, I'd love to meet him. Um, that experience for a potential new partner for Addy to get out of the cab and say, I know what your guys are all about now. Like your, your, um, your community is quite passionate about what you do. 
And I think, you know, hearing these types of stories, we hear them all the time. That's, that's pretty cool. You know, I think that's for, for the cab driver, probably his first time owning real estate. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he owns his house. Maybe she owns her house. I don't, I don't know the logistics, but it's that sense of pride of being part of ownership society that so many of us don't have access to. Yeah. And I feel like it creates a society that has a lot of unintended consequences that are negative because if you feel like you're working hard for your earnings, then if you can't translate any of your savings into some type of property ownership, whatever it would be, a, a skin in the metaverse, a physical uh, commercial or light industrial in, in, in Hamilton, um, uh, some Bitcoin, whatever. If you can't translate that into some property ownership, I just think it does something to society when people feel they cannot take what they're spending their life's energy on and putting that into something meaningful and scarce that can't be deflate debased or inflated away right I th and i think it's powerful i think it's the basis for making a better community definitely so, yeah and, and, and what constitutes ownership i don't know right it's a, it's an interesting question mm -hmm. you know everyone says they own their house do they own their house mm -hmm. probably not the bank probably owns their mm -hmm. house um is it owning one dollar or is it owning mm -hmm. One million dollars of, of a commercial property who gauges that I think it's the actual individual person who has made the decision to invest in something but regardless of what the dollar value is if it's a dollar or fifteen hundred oh, yeah. you're still in that same societal class I don't want to say class it's not a class yeah, yeah but it's a group feeling tribe community I'm not sure yeah. And that's yeah. the interesting thing is, is people that throw in $20 or, or a dollar and they're, and they're, and they're buying, mm -hmm. uh, investing um, a dollar mm -hmm. into a, a piece of real estate, they're not doing it for the financial return. Mostly, maybe they are for a little bit. A lot of it has to do with education and a lot of it has to do with being part of that, sure. that community. It's an interesting question you asked. What is ownership? I think it's, the defendable, it, it's a defendable right so it's something that can be proven either legally in real estate in the Bitcoin world. It would be something that that's like, you know, no one can take my ownership of the network away. It's a defendable right where m my name is associated with some form of property. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting question. That's a freaking deep question. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we can yeah, sit no. here for another hour. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. yeah, yeah. We may have to break this into three <laughs> podcasts. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's it's really it's really cool. Sorry, were you gonna say something else there? I was just saying. I think that's that's where this. You know, if you talk to to your kids, um, you know, what does home ownership mean to them? Mm -hmm. And it's probably different than house ownership, right? I think that's that's the the fundamental switch in in the societal, uh, you know, evolution of real estate. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Cool. I can't wait. Mate, you're going to have to, we're going to have to drag you back out here. Sure. Vancouver's not that beautiful. No, no. Mississauga, we can show you a river too. Yeah, and okay. we got to, yeah, you were up on the Hamilton. You probably saw the Hamilton Mountain. Did you see how big the Hamilton Mountain was? Well, did you see the Hamilton Mountain or did someone have to point out and say that ridge over there is funny. something we refer to as the Hamilton Mountain? It's funny you say that because <laughs> I, was talking to, um, I was talking to somebody at dinner and they said, uh, where are you staying? I'm like, uh, somewhere over there. They're like, oh, on the mountain. And I was yeah. like, 
<laughs> you mean that little hill I'm going to walk up right like, now? Well, no, that, this is like, this is very proud. That's the Niagara Ridge and it's the same height. Niagara Escarpment. Yeah. Let's get it right. It's the Escarpment. Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm learning. BC I'm learning. People. Holy shit. Can't even believe we let you. Oh my gosh. Are you Canucks fan? Of course. Oh yeah. God. Thank God you're saying this at the end. If at the beginning we have to <laughs> shut this down, you de- you de- you decoyed me with the Raptors hat there. I see what you. Well, did. there's no other choice in basketball, yeah, right? Yeah. So good, we forced you to yeah, be a Raptors yeah, fan. Yeah, we the well, North. Well, no, you guys had your own team. Couldn't mm-hmm, support it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't pull it off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The Hamilton Mountain is uh, basically something that you can walk up in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I heard there's some great waterfalls. There are some great waterfalls. You yep. have to know where to find them, but there actually yeah. are. Yeah, you kind of have to know the pockets, but there are some beautiful areas around here. Okay, here you are getting me to shit on Hamilton. Hamilton's a beautiful place. Oh, no, listen, we're <laughs> anyone who knows us, trust me, knows we're a supporter of Hamilton. They know I'm joking. We, we've been... We've been convincing people of Hamilton for so many years that now I laugh when someone comes to me um, from Toronto and they said, I heard Hamilton might be a good place to invest. Mm. I'm like, holy smokes, man, you're late to the party. Yeah. And, but it's still, it's the Hamilton is the gift that keeps giving for years. That place has produced amazing rents, amazing properties. The dynamic in Hamilton is so interesting just because the communities are all going yeah. through a, a kind of a, a, a change I, Hamilton is going to be a fascinating place. And so many young families from Toronto that lived in condos, maybe in Liberty Village. I don't know if you know where Liberty Village is, but by BMO Field, kind of like just slightly west of the downtown core. There's a whole group of condos in there. And if anybody was living there, then they got married and had their first kid. So many of them that I know are moving to Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That never happened before. So now you have this younger generation coming in there as well. It's going to change the dynamic of Hamilton. So, really so cool. where would you suggest is the next... Next hot spot. Where, where, where should Addy look for? Oh, man, those are secrets we're unable to tell you at this time. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, it's kind of we just look at um, transportation. Our main thing is the population growth around Ontario, just spreading both sides and yep. north of Toronto. So then we just map our investing against the transportation routes. Right. So there's no rocket science. We look at the highways and the GO train stops. And the yeah, GO, tra- GO train just got through to Hamilton now. That, that yeah, now Hamilton. The LRT, yeah. And right before COVID, they finally extended one train a day from St. Catharines. Nice. And that area has been absolutely exploding. Yeah. So Hamilton, uh, St. Catharines, Welland, that whole area there, mm. uh, Font Hill, that area is just going to continue to catch people off guard. Yeah. Um, so definitely I would be exploring that area. The whole on the other side of Toronto, Peterborough is just going to continue to explode up there because you're kind of getting towards like cottage country. Yeah. So it's a mix of like a, a, a smaller city, but also close to cottage country. So um, that, that area... They're all exploding around here. It's Population great. base. We This area gets 44% of Canada's immigration. Mm-hmm. And we keep increasing our immigration targets. Um, so we just get a, a, a ton of people right into this pocket. And then I'm pretty convinced from people we speak to, even if they land in other parts of Canada, many of them end up trickling over to Toronto. So we initially get 44% of landed immigrants here. But then over time, obviously some will leave. Some will discover British Columbia and we're like, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, but others are coming in. So this area, the population growth here is just astronomical. I don't know if you know this, but Toronto right before COVID was the fastest growing city in North America. And then during COVID, we were third because Dallas and um, Phoenix area, yeah. I think they were getting a lot of people from California and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of overtook Toronto and then our immigration kind of numbers fell over that period. But now we're picking back up. I bet in another year, whenever that data comes out, Toronto is going to be like number one again. So this area is just low interest rates, population growth, increasing transportation routes with the highway development and the GO train development. I tell everyone, I'm like, listen, if you can't make real estate work here, 
you're likely not going to make it work anywhere. Right. You know, and it's, I also see headlines, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap here. Um, but I also see a lot of headlines of just the property bubble. A lot of people will say, oh, there's just a bubble. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, when, when the country is debasing its currency, like our, we don't have to get into M2 and all this kind of stuff, but when our money supply is increasing, when interest rates are low, when there's more people, not enough supply, mm-hmm. these to me are things that are fundamental drivers. These aren't, you know, some of them are exactly. artificially yeah, controlled. Yeah. Some of the, like the, the interest rates should not be as low as they are. And this goes to some of the bigger societal problems that we have mm-hmm. that we, we can leave that for the next time you're yep. here. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of driving factors right across Canada. But uh, anyway, we'll get off that topic. Mitch, really appreciate you being here. How does someone become a member of Addy? If they're listening and they want to become a member, where do they go? Yeah, great question. Uh, go to addyinvest.com, sign up uh, as a member. There's there's two memberships. One's a $25 annual membership, and that gives you access to every property that we that we launch. Our goal next year is to do 50 properties. Uh, so pretty, pretty, uh, pretty large goal, uh, but we need to, we feel that we can achieve that. Um, and then we have a, a second uh, membership called the Believer Package or the Believer Membership, and that's a $500 membership for five years. Uh, and it's really targeted around those who believe in our mission and our values and think that we're onto something. And you can come along on the journey for, for five years. Um, and yeah, and there's a little bit of extra perks and stuff. As you saw last night, we had a bit of a meet and greet here in Toronto. And as um, uh, simple as that, and you load up your uh, information. Attach your financial institution to your wallet, load your wallet, and you're ready to go. Yeah, cool. Mitch, thank you for this. Really appreciate getting to know you better, getting yeah. to know your story better. Keep going with this whole Addy message. I really feel like you guys are onto something. It's going to be super interesting um, to see where this all evolves. So we're, we're happy to, to share your message and to continue to do so. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey everyone, so hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Mitch. Absolute great guy. You can check him out, learn more about Addy at addyinvest.com. That's Addy, A-D-D-Y, invest.com. And if you are listening to this and you are not yet on our weekly email newsletter, what are you doing? You can get on that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.